The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South. Tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast here at 495 Union Avenue. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeals Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer, and Jason Munns, our producer and jack-of-all-trades. We are a few days removed from Memphis's, I guess, closer-than-expected win over South Alabama. They struggled a bit at times, especially defensively. Um, it was a tie game at halftime, uh, but eventually... Memphis pulled away in the fourth quarter for a 52-35 win. It probably says something that, you know, there was some consternation and nerves and just uh, people worried about things after a 17-point win. Probably says something about where the program is at this point. But at the same time, there were some legitimate concerns to come out of that game. Uh, Mike Norvell said afterwards it was a game the Tigers needed. They needed to be challenged like that. Um, they needed to have to execute in some tough spots, and offensively, they you know they, they once again pounded the ball on the ground. Um, there were some moments where they went away from Daryl Henderson, but all in all, he ended up with a career high twenty two carries, one hundred eighty eight yards, another big touchdown run. They also fed Patrick Taylor. Tony Pollard had a had a touchdown on the ground on a reverse. So um, we're seeing sort of a trend. And let's not leave out Brady White, who also threw for 292 yards. Eventually, this offense really got going um, and put up another 50 spot. Uh, But the defense, especially the secondary, really had some issues defending South Alabama's wide receivers. And uh, there were a bunch of injuries that are concerning here as we move forward um, with Tulane on deck, uh, a road trip to Tulane. Um, But Evan, I'm I'm curious what you... uh, thought about that game and what it means going forward for the Tigers. I think the biggest takeaway, like you said, is that I think this offense is starting to get into a rhythm and find some sort of comfortability. Um, I asked Brady White about that and just kind of, you know, how he feels with the offense and he feels it's nothing different than what he's always done, but he's getting more comfortable. He's seeing more reads. He's making the progressions. And um, obviously Daryl Henderson quiet as kept almost had another 200 yard game, but Probably my biggest takeaway was the defense. I thought the defense needed to get better. Um, they needed to have this kind of game where they could make a statement before they go to Tulane. And unfortunately, I thought the statement they made was, it's still a work in progress. Now, we'll probably discuss the injuries for sure, but I thought the secondary let um, Jamarius Way just completely have his way, literally. He had 10 catches, 185 yards. They passed for 360 yards. And he gives South Alabama some credit. This was a well-coached team. They did some things really well. Um, it helps when you have a six three six four wide receiver. So I think going into Tulane, the question now is going to be how do you handle two wide receivers that can make plays, who are dynamic, who can um, create some matchup issues, and um, obviously Jonathan Banks, Memphis knows him from last year. They they did a good job keeping him in check the Tulane quarterback. So the question is how will they handle him at home? So that's probably what I'm looking for is how will the secondary respond against a defense uh, um, offense that. Likes to spread it around a little bit, can run an option, and has those two receivers that can be productive. Yeah, it was interesting to see. You know, both. I mean, really, it was both of them. T.J. Carter and Tito Windham had some issues. 
Um, and then Laundre Thomas did not play the starting safety due to injury. But you saw, you know, there, TJ and Tito are not tall guys. And you saw that get exposed quite a bit in that South Alabama game um, with those taller receivers. And then I would I, I would be really concerned about the, the injuries along the D-line. Emmanuel Cooper didn't play. Uh, O'Brien Goodson got hurt. Jackson Dillon got hurt in the game. Um Jonathan Wilson got hurt. Now, this week in practice, it looks like, you know, Manuel Cooper's been in a red limited contact jersey, but he has been involved in practice. O'Brien Goodson has been involved in practice. Uh, Jonathan Wilson has been involved in practice. It doesn't look like Jackson Dillon will be back for this game against Tulane. He has not been practicing. Um, let's hope that's not too serious of an injury, given all he's gone through, but Facing sort of an option offense that Tulane runs, you need to not only have good defensive linemen, you need to have a lot of defensive linemen because it's just a very tiring experience going against that type of offense. Um, and so that's something to to look out for when, you know, because Mike Norvell has been very uh, discreet about their the availability of his injured players. And he's basically said, you know, you check back at 6 p.m. on Friday night um, when they actually play against Tulane. But that's something you as fans, we as reporters, are going to really be monitoring, like who is playing and how much are they playing and how effective are they playing on the defensive line. Um, Jason, what were your, what what would you say were the positives and negatives you took away from watching that South Alabama game just in terms of what we should be monitoring going forward for this team? Well, I mean, I think you guys have really hit the nail right on the head as far as the defense is concerned. I mean, this is a game that's that that Memphis was favored by what thirty points, mm-hmm. more than four 30, touchdowns. 31, yeah. yeah, they were supposed to win by more than four touchdowns. They win by seventeen, and they scored fifty-two points, and that's fantastic. I mean, that that should not be ignored. That should not be downplayed. Um, but it, it should also not be ignored that one of their touchdowns came with two and a half minutes left in the game. So you take that one out, sort of a little bit of a, you know, a late score. Um, I mean, I don't want to say it was garbage time, but they, you take that one out and it's a 10 point game. Um, and, and so I just, I feel like the defense has some things it needs. It's going to need to figure out some adjustments. It's going to need to make, uh, going forward, uh, especially, you know, especially against Tulane. Like you mentioned, it's, that's, that's going to be, a, a, a matchup that depending on how, how, Memphis goes into this game health-wise uh, could be uh, a matchup that Tulane likes uh, going into this game. So I just think I just think going forward the offense is going to have to continue to score, um, and and you know that's going to sort of amp up the pressure on them. But I think they can handle it. So I thought the offense played great uh, on uh, against uh, South Alabama, and I thought special teams uh, played well in spots. There were a couple of um, there were a few hiccups i guess you could say but uh, by and large i thought special teams was pretty good well luckily this two-lane offense is not dynamic they're 95th in the country in total offense 70th in rushing 91st in passing um while we're talking about rankings we should also in the same breath point out that south alabama was what 112th or something in the yeah. country yeah. in passing so yeah you know Let's, yes. I just wanted to interject. No, yes, you're, you're right. And and I would say about the offense, I was I thought it was their most complete offensive performance of the year. 
There were some moments where we were harping. We were sitting in the press box going, why aren't they giving the ball to Daryl Henderson? He ends up with 22 carries. There was that that stretch at the end of the first half where they got a little too comfortable throwing the ball. I think they threw like 10 or 12 passes in a row to end end the first half. And then there was that moment. It was, I I think, um, South Alabama closed within seven again in the third quarter. And there was a series where... I think it was four points they drew it to. Four points. You're right. It was 31-27. Memphis went three and out, and Daryl didn't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. I think it was two series in a row where he didn't touch the ball, and so that was an that was you know we were up in the press going, "What are they doing?" But yeah, we well, started thinking he was hurt. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we were looking on the sideline for him, like, "Where is he? Where is he?" Yeah. Um, but then in the fourth quarter, when they pulled away, you saw what the formula for this team when they're really cooking is: it's get the ball to Daryl Henderson when he's tired, get the ball to Patrick Taylor, and when you want, um. When you want sort of a, not a trick play, but an explosive play, get the ball to Tony Pollard. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, Mike said after the game that, you know, this is an offense that's going to take what the defense gives it. And South Alabama started stacking the box. And I think that's why he started throwing the ball at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and DeMonte Coxey is, is developing into a really nice number one receiver for Brady White. And Brady White made some really good decisions in this game. He's, I mean, he's showing that he doesn't make the big mistake. He has, he really hasn't thrown a legitimate interception this year. His only interception is on a hail mary, and that throw he had to start the second half to Coxy, the touchdown pass was as good a touchdown throw as you'll see. Him stepping up in the pocket, throwing off one foot as a defender, you know, is coming in to to swat the ball and then Coxie made a terrific catch, but you know, and so you're seeing him develop more and more with each game. Um, I'll be, this'll be his, his second road experience against Tulane. So we'll see how he rebounds from what he went through at Navy. This'll be, I don't know what the wet. Have you looked at the forecast, meteorologist Barnes? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're expecting scattered thunderstorms. So it's probably going to be a nice humid, uh, new Orleans experience that most people, associate but it will be a little wet so expect some adverse weather probably so we'll see how they respond because we know the last time they had that with navy on the road it didn't go so well yeah so i mean it's all things considered it was it i i I tend to agree with mike norvell that they needed something like this where it didn't all go right um you know at home against an inferior opponent they had to you know scratch and claw a little bit um, to, to win a game. And I think they, you know, hopefully they learned some things about them. So I really think over the course of that game, they learned, you know, yes, there's times to go away from Daryl Henderson, but you, you can't go away from him for too long. And, you know, this secondary, you know, while TJ Carter had a great year last year and is a very talented player, I don't know if you can necessarily just say, we're going to leave him out on an Island at all times especially when he's going against a taller receiver. Now, maybe he'll, you know, maybe he's he's due for a bounce-back performance. And, and you know, TJ gave up some throws. It was really Tito Windham who really got picked on in that game. And Tito is a resilient guy. There were some games last year where he didn't play the best, but he was he's a ball hawk, and usually he comes up with the big play. Um, and so you just hope those, those that secondary can rebound a bit you know, again, I don't know how challenged they'll be by Tulane, 
just because like Jonathan Banks is an experienced quarterback, but from what I've seen of him, he's not the greatest quarterback. Like, like he's not as good as Brady White. Like he's not like you know, experience is one thing, but like as if you're you're if you're not very good, it's like whatever. Right. Um, and so if he if he puts up a big number, then you're really concerned. If in my opinion, and I should point this out as far as like a weird stat. Tulane does have two of the top five receivers in the AAC in terms of yardage, but Banks, Jonathan Banks' percentage com- completion percentage under fifty percent. Well, it tells you that this is a lot like Navy and that they run a lot of option and they hit you with big play. They catch you by surprise with big plays over the top with these tall receivers. They're going to try and throw jump balls. That's that's what's going to happen in this game. And it's going to be on Memphis to figure out, can we leave Tito and TJ alone for those jump balls or do, how do we give them help? And, and, you know, they also need to generate a better pass rush too. Um, and that could be an issue with Jackson Dillon out for you know who knows how long um it does you know i think if he was out for the season mike norvell would have announced it this week and he didn't so that suggests it's uh something that he can return from before the end of the year but again he's not been at practice this week so which suggests he's not going to play this week so i'll be interested to see how this defense recovers and quite frankly how they sort of build towards because you know this is going to be a an interesting game in that Tulane at, on the road is you know when when you looked at the schedule like I predicted this would be a loss before the year um I maybe I would probably change that prediction now looking back but and I, but that's why I think the South Alabama game was so good to have if they had blown out South Alabama I'd actually be a little more worried about this game but they I think they may have gotten humbled a little bit in that South Alabama game in that you know they they're not just going to walk over everyone but UCF, Missouri and Houston on this schedule. I just don't I don't think this team is good enough. I think they're good enough to win every game left on its on the schedule, but they have to play well to do that. And um if both sides of the ball and really especially I mean special teams it was about as you know this special teams unit has been really good for Memphis and that was about as shaky as I've seen them. They had a punt blocked um, what else happened? The, they missed a field goal. Missed a field goal. The fake punt that they tried. The, uh, that fake punt. That was that was just a bad call, though. Mike was trying to defend it after the game and saying, like, you know, this is who we are. We're aggressive. We saw a look and we wanted to take advantage of it, but it was just not the right. I don't care what the look was. It wasn't the right time to try a fake punt. The game was still hanging in the balance, um, and I just I did not like that call at all. But you know. Everyone has a bad, you know, I, I have bad columns, just like Mike has a bad call. <laughs> I write bad stories. I mean, it's yeah. part of life. We make bad predictions, too. And But yeah. I do want to clarify, I was, I felt like, I feel like I was a little bit doom and gloom just a second ago talking about this upcoming game. I do think Memphis is going to roll. But anyway, just wanted to say yeah. that. Well, I, I think for this game, what, what might be interesting is Memphis, you know, on paper, we think they should win because Tulane's defense is a little bit shaky, but I think. If you're if you're a Memphis fan, with all that we're saying, you still feel pretty good about this game because the way Memphis has played, the way Tulane has looked. I watched them play that first game against Wake Forest. They looked okay. They got the big plays that they threw um, downfield to get that game to overtime. But I also think that they did not that offense did not look as smooth as I thought it would be with Jonathan Banks. So all we're saying, basically, with all we're saying, Memphis is a favorite for a reason. This game. The question is, how will Memphis look in this game? And will it give them a chance to say, all right, we play well on the road. Now let's go back home and take care of business 
with these next games. But I think this game will be important to see how they play on the road and how they can bounce back facing a team that can, you know, air it out a little bit. I feel like I feel like Memphis is going to be a little salty, especially the defense going into this game, and and I feel like that's going to be, be to their advantage. Salty or not, Tulane lost to UAB. All right, this I mean, if they lose this game, it's a bad look. Yep. Um, they all they Tulane's coming off a forty-nine to six loss to Ohio State, where Ohio State didn't play any of its start. It was like Ohio State treated them like Memphis treated Mercer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this would be a terrible loss if they lost this. Game. Oh, it would be awful. Absolutely. Um, so, what idiot predicted they would lose this game? Should lose I, I, their, yeah. I don't know, but we gave him a columnist job, so you can ask yourselves that question. <laughs> I will say, though, Tulane undefeated in AAC play because they have not played an AAC game yet. Yeah. Um, Semantics. So Got to beat Tulane to, <laughs> right to get that West Division title. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But we shall see um, what happens. Evan will be down in New Orleans uh, in between eating luxurious meals. He will be covering the Tulane foot Memphis football game for us. You should make sure to check out commercialappeal.com. He'll have tons of great coverage from there uh, and tons of great coverage the rest of the week leading into the game. Um, and then we'll be back at home the following week uh, against UConn, a 6 p.m. kickoff, which I'm sure fans are happy about. Good tailgating kickoff. Um on October 6th, I believe. Yeah, October 6th. So um, should be fun. Have fun in New Orleans. Evan, don't have too much fun on Bourbon Street without us. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I just I'll... I just want to go on record and say how jealous I am of, of Evan being able to go spend some time <laughs> on the company dime in New Orleans. I, I, I... It's the only good reason to have Tulane in the conference. 100%. I'm going to be honest. 100%. <laughs> it's a great road trip. It's I such sp- a struggle. I mean, I feel so bad. What am I going to do going from this restaurant to that restaurant? You're killing me. To maybe walk on Bourbon just to see how the vibe is like? I don't, I don't, I feel bad. Like, <sighs> Yeah, well, get back to us when you have to go to ECU in a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there too, and it's 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 a blast. Yeah. I guess that's why we go to Tulane. That way, we can enjoy the good before the bad. That's true. All right. Well, uh, join us next week. We'll have all the. We'll break down that Tulane game and look ahead to a big two game homestand for Memphis uh, moving forward. Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. See you next time. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.